Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year to you. Again, my name is uh, Matthew. I serve as one of the pastors here. And um, before we jump into this deeply rooted series, I have a story for you. A couple of weeks ago, um, we set our sights on a particular date in December to do an outreach event for one of the new community groups. And a lady by the name of Berta, who is a member here at Desert Springs, um, was helping put this whole thing together with um, several other leaders. And uh, we had planned everything, printed out flyers, wanted to reach the Palomino community and surrounding areas. We have partnered with uh, PV Family Resource Center to, um, you know, actually serve their folks um, that frequent their facility. And, and, and we had this great, this, this great big idea to all get together as leaders and, and pass out flyers. Well, the person that was organizing it forgot that the day that we would pass out flyers was a day that majority of the leaders, including me, had to be at a wedding. And so um, all of a sudden the weekend comes and Berta calls me and says, hey, I'm on my way to Palomino to pass out flyers. And I said, no, you're not. Because I didn't want her to go by herself and have to knock on doors and interact with folks without at least having a few other folks with her. But she insisted that she's going no matter what. And so I said, at least give me an hour to figure something out. So I called a few folks, no answer, no answer, no answer. I called one person. Um, they had already had plans. They actually answered the phone. They already had plans. And then I called a fairly new member here named Nick. Um, and so I, I, I ring Nick and I say, hey, Nick. And Nick answers the phone super slow with that um, nervous, what does Pastor Matthew want voice. <laughs> Nick, at this particular time, is doing something that I probably would be doing if I um, wasn't preparing to go to this wedding. He's, he's watching football. And so I say, hey, Nick, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm watching football all afternoon. <laughs> and um, I said, hey, man, I need a huge favor. Uh, Berta is going out to hand flyers to different people for this particular event. I was hoping just possibly you could join her and, you know, help pass out flyers. Now, mind you, he doesn't know Berta that well. He's not attending the event. He doesn't have a dog in the fight, so to speak. <laughs> There's no reason why he should say yes. But immediately he says, don't worry about it. I can just record the game. I'll be there. He attends the uh, uh, flyer handing out um, afternoon. It's actually raining on and off that afternoon. They have a great time. They pass out over 100 flyers. Um, with the partnerships and with them passing out flyers, fast forward a week and a half later, we were expecting about 50 people to attend the event. And actually, um, we had the event right outside of these double doors in the lobby. 
And so we set up tables for 50 folks, and for the first 10 minutes, like two families showed up. We got freaked out. And then an hour later, the lobby and the front patio is full of over 200 people. That's crazy. But what's even crazier is about 75 of them are kids. Like tiny little kids. <laughs> and the question that we're going to ask today is what does it look like to be rooted in your city? I tell you this story because that is what it looks like. To be rooted in Christ inevitably means to be rooted in your city. And the question is, what does that mean for me and what does that mean for you? What does it look like for me and what does it look like for you? Berta or Nick, they would answer that question. And, and frankly, Alfredo and Leo and Ava and Dahlia, the leaders of this new community group um, that's Spanish-speaking, they would answer that that's what it looks like that Friday night here at Desert Springs, expecting 50 people and getting well over 200. Two pinatas hanging from, from the outside, um, metal, what are those called, uh, pillars, and lines of kids hitting pinatas as, as we sing. The bigger question, as I just said, is what does that mean for you? Jesus is not really interested in our behavior. He's not really interested in us being or looking a certain way. More importantly, I believe that Scripture teaches that Christ is more interested in what does it look like for Matthew and for all of these folks here to get out of the way and let Christ be who he is. The question that comes to mind, though, is what does Scripture have to say about it? And we're going to look at three specific S-words. <laughs> no, not that one S-word that you're thinking about. Three S-words that we can find in these Scriptures that can summarize what it looks like for us to actually be rooted in our city. The first S-word is to stay. Everybody say stay. That was, that was okay. That was, that, was, that was decent. I need you guys to give me a little more energy. Everybody say stay. Stay. Okay, that was a little better. All right. The next S word is to shine. Everybody say shine. Shine. One more time, as loud as you can, say shine. Shine. All right. We'll, we'll accept that for right now. Finally, the last S word is sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. To sacrifice, to shine, and to stay can be found right here in Scripture. And let's kick off this first word, stay, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29. It says in verse 5, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Find wives for yourselves. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Pursue the well-being of the city. 
I have deported you too. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. For when it thrives, you will thrive. Sounds like a really interesting text, and it is. What's going on here is the children of Israel or the Jews or the Israelites, God's people, have been sent to exile. They were living in Israel-Palestine or living in their country. And at this particular time, the Babylonians were the strongest army in their area. So strong that they conquered many places, one of which was Israel-Palestine. Problem is, the Jews didn't have time for that. They rebelled constantly. And so all of a sudden, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, and all of the Babylonians thought, how about we not only put them in exile, but we make sure that we get the best and the brightest. We get the public officials, we get their politicians, we get the professionals. Because if we can get the leaders of the community and get them to assimilate, we can control them and keep them from rebelling again. Now, put yourself in the position of the Jews at that particular time. You're in exile. You've been conquered by this evil foreign power. And everybody around you with a leadership position that you respect and that you know is saying, in a few years, we're going to get out of this. Any day now, this is going to change. God said, this is going to change. Prophets prophesied in the name of God, this is going to turn around. False prophets says, this is going to change in a few years. And all of a sudden, this crazy prophet named Jeremiah speaks for God and says, newsflash, we're going to be here for decades. The question is, how would you feel? You've been hearing over and over again that this is going to change, and all of a sudden, Jeremiah prophesies and says, nope, at least 70 years, you'll be here. I don't know about you, uh, but I hate being in small spaces. I hate being in any type of exile in just my little creature comfort way. I can only imagine what it's like to be under the rule of a foreign power. I would be livid. I would be angry. I would be frustrated. I'm sure many of you would too. And then God says this to them. Build houses. <laughs> plant gardens, stay a while. Hold on, God. I'm in exile. I thought you loved me. Get me out of here. He says, not only are you going to stay, not only do I want you to remain there, but I want you to make a home out of your situation. What does it mean to stay in modern day times. Some of you guys are probably asking, hey dude, cool for the Jews thousands of years ago 
but uh, what does this got to do with me? I live in Scottsdale. I live in Phoenix. Glad you asked. It's a great question. <laughs> this particular power had put them into exile, so immediately these people, God's people, are in an environment that is pagan, that is often celebrated for being godless. They are forward-thinking people, powerful people, confident people, and God is telling them, stay. Today, if we look at the New Testament as Jesus followers, all throughout Scripture we see not only were there exiles in the Old Testament, but Christians are called exiles in the New Testament. Because the values of a Jesus follower, as it's explained in the New Testament, is countercultural to the values of that particular time and that particular day. And if I could push it, the values of our culture today are dramatically opposed to what we value as Jesus followers. And in the midst of all of that, God says, go to work, feed your kids, build homes, create a living for yourself, and remain. I don't know if you know this or not. I'm sure you've probably driven by certain areas in this neighborhood, but it's growing rapidly. Everybody knows throughout um, this state that the city of Phoenix is growing like crazy. All those people from California. <laughs> All those Raider fans <laughs> are pouring into our town, our city, raising the prices and ruining our culture. <laughs> How in the world does this ancient text, this ancient true story apply today? As Jesus followers, we are in an environment that should be offensive to what we value. If I could put a pause here, many of you here aren't Jesus followers. You're still trying to figure out who Jesus is in a personal way. And I'm so glad you're here. You're in the right place. A lot of the questions that you have, if I'm honest with you, I got some of those too. Some of the same questions you got. And for the next few moments, I'm going to be talking to Jesus followers about their responsibility, not only to this community here, but to the larger city. and What it looks like for them to be rooted and connected deeply to Christ in this context. To stay means that you hang out with people you don't agree with. What is God asking these people to do? I am supposed to live in the same space as the people that put me in exile? I'm supposed to be in community with people that I don't agree with? that don't look like me, that don't vote like me, that don't sound like me, they don't smell like me, they don't, they don't say yes when I say yes, and they don't say no when I say no. Those weird people, those Babylonians. I'm supposed to open my home and let weird, awkward, socially awkward people into my home? 
I'm supposed to invite myself? That's crazy. I'm supposed to go grocery shopping with people that I don't know and do life with them? <laughs> I'm supposed to stay and actually, what does that mean? What does it mean to stay? Well, it's the difference between a visitor and an investor. Visitors just come and go. Investors, they have an invested interest into the lives of the people within that city. Some of you guys are saying, hey, bro, I've been here for 40 years, longer than you've been alive. I'm invested. That's not what the text is saying. The text is saying that Matthew is called to actually spend time with people that he doesn't agree with, people that make him uncomfortable, people <laughs> that rub him sometimes the wrong way, if I can push it, invite those people to Matthew's house. Some of y'all been in my house. <laughs> it was very uncomfortable. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> and I've been to your house. And I'm sure you felt the same way. You felt the tension of, of my cultural context and my background and this California Raider fan coming into your space and into your narrative. That, that tension of what's funny, what's not funny. What does God mean when he says that we're called to stay? It means we're called to actually sit with people. And for me, if I had to put myself out there, oftentimes it means that I need to close my mouth. Shocking, right? I know, I know, I know. That's shocking to you guys that I have a problem with closing my mouth. Yeah, it means that I need to become a listener. It's not my responsibility to be king judge or, or, or king accuser or, or to be the police of, of this or of that. Oftentimes I'm required, I'm, I'm, I'm called to sit with those who are anti everything that I believe in, and just listen. And what happens when I listen is they feel heard. And when they feel heard, they feel seen. And as a Jesus follower, because most of the people that I sit with and talk to and listen to, they know I'm a Jesus follower, that changes the entire paradigm. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but Jesus followers don't have the best reputation in this country. <laughs> and for someone to just sit there and listen changes the way they see what it means to be with Jesus. Not only are we called to stay, but we're called to shine. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hid. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a stand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. We are called to stay and make room 
for folks that often seem like they are counter everything that we believe. But beyond that, we're called to shine. We are like resident aliens. We're like ambassadors. We're in a foreign land. We're called to speak the language. But at the same time, our allegiance is with our home. So we're called to make a home where we are, but at the same time, our allegiance is to our homeland. In this context, Jesus is saying to me and he's saying to you, not only are you called to stay and make a home there, but you're also called to shine while you're there. To avoid the temptation, Jews, in a Babylonian pagan society, to avoid the temptation to assimilate. Avoid the temptation to blend in. Jesus says in the New Testament, we're not called to blend, we're called to shine. When I was studying for this, I told myself, when I said shine, I was gonna show my big teeth and go, shine. <laughs> I did it, I did it twice. We're called to shine. All right, let's get serious here. The times that Matthew refuses to shine is when he is feeling comfortable in his own darkness. It happened the other day at Big Five. I won't tell you the story. You can talk to me after. But the times that I don't want to shine is when I feel the presence of darkness and I'm like, ooh, I can do darkness too and I'm going to act a fool. Don't judge me. You were there this past week. The temptation to assimilate often for me, and we see this throughout Scripture, reveals what our idols really are. The time that I want to hide my light under a bowl or under a basket and dim my light, those are the times when I'm met with my greatest idols. Some of the biggest idols, money, sex, power. If I feel like somebody has a high position, they're, they're a high-profile individual, I'm tempted to blend. Don't say anything that's going to make him mad. Don't say anything that's going to make her mad. She's got a big title. She's got a big position. We are called to shine. Now, before legalism kicks in, this is not based on our ability. Thanks be to God. <laughs> this is not based on my ability or your ability to say the right thing or do the right thing or check all of these boxes. This is not based on your ability to avoid this and avoid that. No. As a Jesus follower, Scripture teaches that the light of Jesus Christ shines through us, often in spite of us. Ooh, y'all should have said something right there. 
Man, I felt that. How many times can I tell you that somebody got helped in spite of me? Mm, we don't give those testimonies often. Jesus says, let your light so shine before men, before humans, that they may see your good works and that the glory doesn't live and stop with you, but that the glory automatically goes to where it belongs. That glory is given to God. That they might see possibility through the Jesus in you. What does the city need? What does the city of Phoenix need? What does your neighborhood need? What does my neighborhood need? What does my family need? It's tough for me to shine sometimes in the different pockets of darkness throughout my family. What does my family need? My family doesn't need me to have all the answers. My family needs me to get out of the way and let Jesus shine. Jesus is not saying do stuff to look the part. Jesus is not saying have this big tally, egotistical tally in your head of all these good things you did last week. Instead of the tally in your head, he's saying, have a transformed heart. A transformed heart only comes when you have set and spent time with the only one, according to Scripture, that can change your heart. And that's Jesus. If we can push it, it's impossible for me to shine if I refuse to give in, to humble myself with the he-isms. You guys are like, what is he-ism? Well, before I talk about a he-ism, let me quickly talk about me-ism. A me-ism is I spend my whole week, my whole day, thinking about me. Because that's what Western culture has taught me. My Western culture has taught me by celebrating people that have pulled themselves up, come from nothing. They, they are self-made. We have this, this phrase here in this country, self-made millionaire. Self-made billionaire. If you go to Wikipedia, they actually have it on there. Self-made. And that's what we celebrate. And if I'm honest, and if you're honest, in our hearts, in our minds often, that's what we aspire. We want to blend into that type of mentality. It's all about me. It's all about my accomplishments. Don't question me, because then that's going to threaten me and my reputation. Eastern culture often thinks of family first. They prioritize family. If it's good for the family, we do all of this for the good and the advancement of the legacy of this family. Family's massively important. Jesus Christ 
Christianity, biblical truth has heism. <laughs> not meism, not weism, but heism. Heism says, I do all that I do for him. And inevitably, when I live my life and I shine for God's glory and God's glory alone, inevitably, I'm taken care of and my family's taken care of and my city is taken care of, oftentimes at the expense of my comfort. The question is, how do I shine? Well, I told you three S words. We got stay. We got shine. Do you remember the last one? How do I shine? Sacrifice. I'll read the text. Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 says, Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. What does it mean to be rooted in the city? Philippians 2 screams this. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself. Verse 7 is the big one. He emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Don't sound like prosperity to me, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus says the way that we shine has nothing to do with our own ability. It has everything to do with getting out of our own way and allowing Christ to shine through us. What does that look like? What does that mean for me? By getting out of the way, I am sacrificing. And true sacrifice, according to the gospel, means everything. It's easy to be a Christian in 2020 how a ton of people do it. Oh, it's easy. All I got to do is show up to a building every once in a while, make sure I'm not cussing out my kids when I show up, make sure that I'm holding my wife's hand at the right angle so they know that we're happy, make sure that we laugh at the right thing, cry at the right time, give so we can get recognition and clap whenever they tell us to clap. That's easy. I can do that in my sleep. It's like acting. But this text isn't talking about that. <laughs> this text says the complete opposite of that. This text says that Jesus Christ absolutely 
and I'm, this is an understatement, inconvenienced himself. He left heaven to submit his authority and his power and his ability in the form of baby little Jesus in a fleece. It's Talladega Knight's reference. He chose to become a human, a little baby. And if I were Jesus, I would have came as a grown man because I didn't want to go through the baby stuff. If I were Jesus, I wouldn't have let the Pharisees be the Pharisees or, or, or the haters be the haters or the people that were trying to kill me all the time. I wouldn't let them do it. I would just point and say, zap, you like me. Zap, you like me. Zap, we're friends. Zap, you're not going to say that to me again. That's what I would do. <laughs> but Jesus did the complete opposite. He had all the power, but he humbled himself. He sacrificed by becoming a servant. It is impossible to be rooted in a city like Phoenix or Scottsdale if I'm all about comfort. If it's based on Matthew's 401k and Matthew's kids, Matthew's weisms and meisms, it's not going to work. Christ is the example. That's what Philippians 2 just says. He's the example. He's who we look to. He's who I look to. The only way to actually truly sacrifice isn't just to check boxes. No, it's the complete opposite of a box. So the question is, I heard you, Matthew, how you're applying this stuff. You got to close your mouth more. That's a sacrifice. I get it. You got to invite people to your house. I get it, Matthew. You got to reorient your life around those that don't agree with you and don't look like you and don't sound like you. Got it. But the bigger question is, what about you? What does it look like for you to be planted in this city? What does it mean for you to stay? What does it look like for you to shine? Not in the 80s, not in the early 2000s, today. So many different opportunities that we have, and one of my most exciting opportunities that I can share is the fact that we're launching this rooted study. If you're not connected to a group, to a small community of folks that get together and share their lives, maybe this is the year that you get connected. Maybe you've already been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and you ain't got time for that. Hey, man, I've been there. I've definitely been there. But if it was based on Matthew's feelings, I wouldn't be up here right now. But if I base it on my faith in Jesus Christ, I can't help but respond to the sacrifice and the love that Jesus Christ has freely given to me in an absolutely mind-blowing, humble way. I can't help but be like my father. It's kind of like my oldest kid. He can't help but 
talk like me, walk like me, sound like me, be corny and give corny jokes like me. He can't help it. Because out of a relationship with me, because he's always with me, he can't help but act like me. Real, authentic Jesus followers, according to this text, screams that we can't help but have a massive impact in this city because we're like Christ. Pastor Caleb is going to mention a few things about Rooted. I highly encourage you to connect with a group. Even if you feel like you don't need it, which is not true, somebody in that group needs you. I guarantee it. Join me as I pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have done all of the work, that there's no reason that I should rely on my own ability to try to be righteous or holy or perfect. I should rely on my own ability to reach this city. Secondly, I'm super pumped, Jesus, that I don't have to do this by myself. Not only do I have you, but you've placed me within the context of this community. And so to stay, to shine, and to sacrifice is a whole lot easier next to my brother and my sister. I pray for every single person here that they might really know that in a personal way and that they might put legs to it, put action to it, and connect with a group as they are rooted in this city. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.